So, um, last week we uh, spent some time, if you remember, um, grappling with what it is to follow Jesus. I was talking about vision, I was talking about our heart, that over the next uh, year, uh, it wasn't about directly about a strategy or a program, but it was about something very simple, which is that we want to know Jesus more, not just know about Jesus. We want to be seeking his presence more in our lives on a daily basis, and as a church, be hungry for his presence. And then also we would say, show me your glory. We want to see more of the glory of God at work. Now, we're in a, a, a Lenten season. We're actually going to continue beyond Easter in relation to these things because we're going to spend some time journeying, practicing the way of Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus, do we not? I know it's early in the morning, but for me, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to know Jesus more. And I want you to encourage you, like I said every week, wake up in the morning and say, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to understand more about you more. The, The thing I find for me in my own life is that actually I will not know him more unless I actually put things in my life that will enable me to know him more. Because I'm surrounded by a cacophony of things that send me away from knowing more of Jesus. It's true, isn't it? We're surrounded by things that distract us and deflect us away. And even when we get to wanting to know more about Jesus, I don't know about you, my mind is buzzing. I'm thinking of anything but. And that's a real challenge. And so one of the things that we want to explore, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a variety of different things. Uh, Next week is actually going to be all about hospitality and all about sharing. And Coles is going to be helping us in that time. Then we're thinking about solitude and silence and then also in, the, in the, the week just before uh, Easter, we're going to be thinking about simplicity. These are all things that Jesus practiced, Jesus walked with. And so if we're practicing the way of Jesus, what does that mean? Today, we're thinking about the really, really popular subject of fasting. It's an unbelievably popular subject to bring up in our Western culture. And so I'm going to do that. Just to say, I've got a few books at the back. You're welcome to, uh, to, to buy or contribute towards whatever. There's a brilliant a book called Practicing the Way, which is about 13 quid. Uh, there's some available at the back. And then two on fasting by fantastic teacher who died a few years ago called Derek Prince uh, on fasting. Really simple little booklets for a fiver. So please do grab them and have a read of them. I think God is calling us into this in a fresh way. So Lord Jesus, I just pray. Lord, pray you help us now as we grapple with this, this subject of fasting, which many ways we just don't want to go there or we've never even thought about it before i pray lord that you would enlighten our not just our 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 our, our, our hearts but our minds and our body so lord jesus speak to us in jesus name amen now i love food i absolutely love food uh, and I, I love all the types of food. I love all the shapes of food. I love the taste of food. You know, I just think the journey we've made in terms of food is so fascinating, isn't it? As a kid, I mean, I grew up in Bury St. Edmunds, or as the Americans who live nearby call it Bury Street Edmunds. <laughs> Bury St. Edmunds. And Bury St. Edmunds was a dull town. It's got a lot more exciting in a Beres Nedman sort of way since. But when I was there as a teenager, it was pretty dull. There were only two really decent feeding places, the fish and chip shop and a wimpy. 
now the choice of food is all around us, isn't it? And particularly in London, North London, we can literally every moment find any sort of food from any part of the world. I don't know about you. It's a time of, we love food. Food is, is just all around us. And, you know, I've really gone into cooking, uh, really in the last three or four years, helped particularly by this guy who, went, who died this week, Dave Myers, Harry Bikers. Uh, when I was, I was, I could only really cook about three things in my life, spaghetti bolognese, sausage casserole, and I can't even remember what the third one was. But I, I, you know, that was my main contribution to family life. Then we had a vegetarian come and live with us. I thought, how am I going to live? I, I'm going to waste away. So I thought, I've got to get into some way of making vegetables interesting. And I got hold of a Harry Biker's book, on veggie book, and I worked my way through it with this person, Lodger, staying with us. And it changed my whole thing. I love cooking. It's now one of my little hobbies. Quite often, if I want to get away from stuff, I just go and cook. Just like any decent cook, I hate having any. It's not great for our marriage. I hate having anybody else in the in the in the in the, in the kitchen with me. I don't know whether any of you relate to that, um, but and it's pathetic, really, because actually Mary's got some great insights, but just don't want it at that moment. But cooking, I'm cooking away. I love it. So I would be more comfortable. Many of us would be more comfortable to talk about feasting rather than fasting today. And yet we are apprentices. Of Jesus, which means that this, you're going to get used to this phrase. Our calling is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. I think it's such a helpful way, a wonderful vision for us as individuals and as a church. That is the calling on our lives because I honestly believe if we do that, if we seek to do that, we can be transformed. It's the only place of transformation is with Jesus. We can't do it ourselves. So we need to be learning ways to do that, to be transformed. And a boy, Jesus feasted. You only have to read Luke's gospel. He's either going to a party or coming from a party or in a party. Jesus loved to feast and party. His main reason why they, almost one of the reasons why they crucified him was they said, you spend your time having parties with sinners and the ones who shouldn't be Around people like you. He loved to feast and yet a core part of his life was fasting. Matthew 4. We just read that just now. In the 40 days in the wilderness he began. It is all about fasting during that time. And that prepared him, enabled him for when he was facing, going to face the temptations that were thrown in by the devil. He was ready And I would say there was a connection between his readiness with the fact that he fasted and he prepared for that moment. That was part of who Jesus was. As the devil tempts him, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the the mouth of God. And yet today, very few Christians fast. I won't do a hand count, but if I was to say to you, even if I was to go, if you fast either on a regular basis or you've ever fasted, it would probably be that that's not been part of your spiritual discipline and your walk. So it's a really interesting one. If Jesus did it, why is it we find it such a challenge? It was such an important part. And so we're going to explore that really today. Very few people do it. Now on a personal level for me, it's something I've come into discovering about over the last few years. 
Uh, and I want to uh, explore that a little bit more. And it's made a, a real difference in my own life. As I say, it's largely disappeared from modern uh, Christian spirituality, particularly in the West. And yet, if you deal and connect with Christians in, the, in, in, in Asia, in India, particularly in Africa, fasting is just a part of your Christian life. It's not even questioned. It's seen as part of everything. I am aware as well, we live in a culture as well where there's so much obsession around this area. I'm aware there's people with body image challenges. There's stuff to do with um, you know, anorexia and other stuff. So we're, we're treading on challenging ground in relation to this. For many of us here today, I, there's medication. There's things that are going on in our bodies where we militate immediately when we hear that word fasting. But I want to, you know, and maybe this will just open up an exp- uh, a discussion within it, which is good. But I think it's a, such an important discipline that we need to look into and to uh, spend some time just thinking about. It. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, there's a verse in uh, Matthew uh, 6 uh, which says these things. Matthew 6, so part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this, When you fast... Uh, Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, you they have have received their full reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, you know, a little bit of brute on your face, so that it will not be... That's a bit of a blast from the past for some of you, isn't it? The old spice. Come back, old spice. Do you know that? Disgusting stuff. I'm sure some of you say, no, I use Beckham myself, whatever. But when you fast, so it will not be obvious to others that are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A couple of things really it talks about. Number one, when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. The expectation is that his disciples would do that in practicing the way of following Rabbi Jesus. Secondly, there's a reward There's something about when we fast that we will receive a reward. Not that we do it for that, but actually there is a benefit that comes as we fast. So I want to give you a brief history of fasting. Firstly, um, you know, in in the history of uh, the spiritual discipline of fasting, um, you only have to go to Mount Sinai, followed by a command to fast on the Day of Atonement. All the way through the Old Testament, uh, Moses, David, Samuel, Esther, prophets, all of them fast in some way. When you get to the time of Jesus, fa- Jesus would have fasted as the Jews did two times a week. It would have been on a Monday and a Thursday. All right, a Monday and a Thursday. You would do that. That would just be part of the nature of your life. And the early Christians themselves in the Didache, which is the teaching, fasting is actually commanded on a Wednesday and a Friday. I'll explain later why it shifted from Monday, Thursday to Wednesday and Friday. Moving on from that, um, there were no, if you like, uh, uh, interesting things. There was no, for example, people got so into fasting, they actually began to regulate it in the early church so that Saturday and Sunday were feasting days. Uh, to give a break because people were so caught up in fasting. Of course, Lent was a period of time over six weeks when there was a particular focus pre-Easter, remembering the 40 days, uh, a time of not eating, I might add, not eating until sundown. So you would eat after sundown. So Ramadan within Islam has been nicked effectively from the Christians' 40 days. You have to remind yourself that Islam came later than Christianity, popped up in 600 A.D., and it saw, they, Muhammad saw the Christians and how they were so dedicated. 
They were so passionate that they, they, they borrowed it, okay? So the reality is Christians have always had this as a part of who they are. Now, I want to say at the heart of it, when we're thinking about these things, often when it comes to things like Lent, we talk about giving things up. It's quite a common thing. Well, you know, why are you giving up for Lent? Oh, I'm giving up supporting Portsmouth, you know. Or I'm giving up shopping, or I'm giving up chocolate, or, you know, whatever. Now, there's a difference here. That is abstinence, which, of which there's a long history of that, and it's not a bad thing. But that's abstaining from something. That is different from fasting. So it's good to abstain, but it's not what fasting is all about. And, um, you know, as I say, there was a shift uh, in, in terms of the early church, in terms of uh, fasting to a Wednesday and a Friday. Then it, it moved on for over 1,500 years. Fasting was just a Wednesday and a Friday for every single part of a church. And then they would have a simple meal at sundown, that sort of thing. Uh, John Wesley's hilarious on this one. He, he gets, he's worried about the level of fasting that is going on. So, you know, John Wesley, uh, founder of Methodism, this is what he said. I fear there are thousands of Methodists, so-called, both in England and Ireland, following the same bad example, having entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week that they do not fast twice a month. You know who you are. John Wesley got worried about it in those days. Followers used to fast a lot. It was a central practice. And yet, it's interesting, as I said already, outside the West, this is a normal part of churches. Fascinatingly as well, the parts of the world where the church is exploding is the area where fasting is a normal part of their prayer life, of the way that they approach things. So it's a real challenge to the West where we're seeing, in many ways, decline that parts of the world are really expressing those things. The point I suppose I'm making is fasting is, I believe, one of the most powerful and essential parts of um, practicing the way of Jesus. And yet so often it's been neglected in our Western world. St. Basil the Great, who obviously looks like he's just come off a fast, says this. Fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. She is a safeguard for the soul, a steadfast companion for the body, a weapon for the brave and a discipline for champions. Fasting repels temptations, anoints for godliness. She is a companion for sobriety, the crafter of the sound mind. In wars, she fights bravely. In peace, she teaches tranquility. So, in the life of Jesus, in the scriptures, in the global church, in the saints... Are they not sending us a bit of a message and a challenge about this whole area of fasting? Certainly has challenged me over the years. So let's briefly, let's be really practical about this. What is fasting? Well, I've just mentioned this. What, firstly, what is it not? It's not, as I say, abstinence from, as I say, social media or, or whatever it might be. Great, but that isn't fasting. It's good to abstain, but it's not fasting. Now, and it's not also the current in thing. There's a trendy thing at the moment. I don't know whether you've come across it, intermittent fasting, which is quite in. And to be fair, can I just say, fasting, we all know this, medically is, a, is seen as a really positive thing. You know, it's seen as something that can help with hearts. It can help with our, our bodies. It can help with aging. 
All those things, fasting can contribute towards that sort of stuff. So fasting can help. It's a positive thing on that front. But it's not the same as what I suppose I'm talking about, which is spiritual fasting, which is just you know, not eating food for a period of time. And in that time, what are you doing? It's very easy. I know for myself, I'm wired up in such a way because um, I'm you know, uh, you know, quite into my fitness, quite into trying to, 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 to keep myself healthy, that we can just see it as a, something off food and we just carry on as normal. The challenge for me has been actually, in that time where I'm not eating, what am I doing? Well, actually, I have to discipline myself in that time to connect to fresh regard. There's something that connects between my body and my craving that actually says, I crave God instead. So in that moment, uh, so practically for me, I, for example, if I'm, uh, for me at the moment, what I'm doing during Lent is taking Wednesday and Friday off. And you see, you might say, well, yeah, but what did we just have the passage earlier? You're boasting about your fasting. I'm just sharing it because I want to say that I, hopefully to help you. Because actually, a lot of the whole challenge of fasting is it's very hard to do it on your own. <laughs> it's really hard to do it on your own. But actually, if you have someone else, like Mary and I are engaging in this, or someone else that you're doing it with, then actually you can encourage one another. It's a community thing. That's why it's so much easier when a bunch of people are doing it. But in that time, what I would do is say, for example, on a Wednesday or Friday, during the time when I normally eat, it would be easy for me to just sit down and think, great, I've got another extra half an hour to do some work. But actually in that time, I deliberately take a walk for me. And I go for a walk and I pray for the community or I pray for something going on in my life. Now, I'll explain a little bit more about this because you say, well, how long is a fast meant to be for? There is no set time. I might add as well that fasting is never commanded, all right? It's never commanded. It's there as an amazing option for us. But there's no set time. Um, and uh, as I say, the most common way of fasting is from uh, waking through to sundown. But there are lots of biblical examples. There's examples of um, uh, two-day one or three-day one or seven-day one or 20-day one day or 40-day one. Uh, they are there. So when do you fast? Well, it's not a command about that. It's up to you. But there are two particular ways that I've found helpful in relation to fasting. One is what I call rhythm, uh, and the other one is response. The rhythm one is, if you like, finding a a set time uh, each week when you do that. You might say, I'll choose one day a week that I'm going to do that, and and, and, and to enable that. And I think once you get into, uh, you know, uh, it says in the Bible as well, they, they chose a day, like Yom Kippur, for example, is a fasting day for Jews. But for, for you, it might be you find just a rhythm once a week. It might be you just take one meal once a week and you say, right, I'm going to dedicate this and fast for this. I think that's within our capacity of things that we can definitely do. Secondly, response. And, and I've used this a number of times. If you like calling to, to fast in response to to something, a national crisis or a crisis in our own life or in the crisis or something specifically we might want to pray into. So in 1 Samuel 31, uh, when Saul dies, the nation fasts for seven days. Jonah 3, uh, the king of Nineveh uh, 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 asked for a citywide fast and, and the, the, nation, the, 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 the um, city is spared. Uh, Esther, a potential genocide is going on. There's a three-day fast and the people of Israel in that country are saved. And Ezra 8, which was read a bit earlier, remember it's they called them to a fast. Quite a regular thing. That would be if like a call a responsive thing. I know 
for myself, there's been moments, and in fact, in the last year, we had a particular area, the life of the church, where we decided, a bunch of us, we were for, I think it was about four or five months, we deliberately gave that day to fasting. And we had our own joint prayer thing, and we prayed specifically in response. So there's rhythm, and then there's also responsive things. And think of a responsive time, fascinating time, just before World War II. Dunkirk, remember Dunkirk? The day, two days before Dunkirk, the king called the nation to fast and pray. Would that not be a good idea today? But fascinating, before Dunkirk. And um, there, was, there were people queuing for three or four miles to get into Westminster Abbey and to get into local churches to fast and to pray. And of course, the great story about Dunkirk was it was the most amazing, miraculous thing. The channel was, quite, it was calm. It, there, were, there were a whole load of things that happened that I think were as a result of fasting and prayer um, and resp- a responsive fasting, if you like. So do we, uh, a question I might ask is, do we fast in community or alone? I've already mentioned about that. Lots of evidence of doing it together. And why fast? Well, this comes to the core of it, really. Um, and I'll be uh, coming into land fairly soon. But um, why fast? You say, well, I've heard all the evidence. That's fine. That's interesting. But why fast? Now, I, I think that As I mentioned last week, if we are going to be a church that truly is pursuing the way of Jesus and to know him more, I think this invitation to fast is is, is a big part of that because ultimately we're offering ourselves to Jesus afresh. That's the primary core of doing it. It's not just as safe for a diet to make me lose weight. It's actually to offer myself afresh. There's something about engaging with the body. You know, it's really important to remind ourselves that we, yes, we are spirits and God engages with us in our spirits, but actually we are body, mind, and spirit. And so therefore our body and how we respond with our body connects into how we relate to God. We can't just park it and say, well, I've got my body side and then there's my spirit side. We're not discombobulated. It's actually a heresy. That actually our bodies and how we respond within our body is incredibly important. And if you like, I found for myself that as I've begun to learn how to fast, and I've failed miserably in it uh, in many ways, and, and, and also God's grace is big enough. Uh, for example, on, on Friday, I'd set myself a goal to fast. And actually, um, round about lunchtime, uh, my wife invited me for lunch, and I had lunch. Okay, God didn't strike me down. Or at any point, there's the grace there, all right? Um, you know, so I, I'm just trying to, to put it out there, but I'm just saying that there's something as well about when we decide not to eat, that it creates, just as they were saying in the video earlier, there's something it creates that gives us a fresh level of connection with God. We're actually saying, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to step aside from this so that I can step aside into you. John Piper describes his whole body hungering for God. A desire for something we don't have gives us a fresh hunger to reach out to Him. And I think it does awaken something fresh. You know, it's fascinating that Romans 12, 1 and 2, which we're quoting a lot, partly because we're looking in Romans, but it says to get, it talks about there offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable worship. 
It's interesting, you're following our bodies. And I want to invite us to say, could it be that actually fasting and prayer is a part of that? Because our bodies are meant to be, as 1 Corinthians 6, temples of the Holy Spirit. Our body matters. Not just about a feeling or an idea, it's the whole of ourselves being offered afresh. And you know, giving up something of ourselves in that way is only responding to the God who has given of himself in Jesus. So in offering something of ourselves, we're actually saying, thank you so much for what you have given for me, Lord Jesus. And so um, as I come into land, uh, as I've grown in these things, um, I've just found a, a fresh zeal for the things of God. Um, and, you know, it's just one of the disciplines. It's not, you know, all of the disciplines. It's not the be-all and end-all like anything. And we're going to explore some other things. I mean, next week's all going to be about hospitality. So a lot of that's going to be involved with food. But there is something spiritual about that which is really powerful that God uses, you know. Um, but fee- fasting is just one of those areas that uh, I want to share. You don't have to fast. It's not required But Jesus fasted and then said, come, follow me. And that's what he does to us today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I shared a lot of stuff, a lot of information. And fundamentally, I just want to know you more. And Lord, thank you that you call us intentionally into uh, what it means to fast and pray. And Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, for this, this practice. I pray, Lord, that in none of what we've said and shared will come across as condemnation or bringing guilt, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us and show us how we can walk with this. Help us to encourage one another in this. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be um, like the hypocrites, it says, who show off. We just want to simply follow you. So, I, uh, we, Lord, I invite you by your Spirit to show us how we can follow you better, including how we can fast. In Jesus' name, amen.